All right, if you have a little one, we, I will remind you once again to head out to Children's Church. Children's Church is available from nursery on up into second grade. I believe that they have already vacated the premises. Though noise is usually not an, ind- an indicator in this church because we tend to be a loud church, which I like. As we begin the Advent season, we are going to begin to look at some of the, the history and the stories relate, uh, that revolve around the birth of Christ. And so we are going to be looking at Luke chapter 1 today, and we're going to begin in verse 5 and read through verse 20. And if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. This is Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5, and the Word of God says this, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They both were righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at that hour, at the hour of incense burning. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John." And he will have, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn away the sons of, of Israel, turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to children and the disobedient to the to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for their Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Please be seated. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and King, we come before you now in this time and in this season of Advent. And God, as we dive into the scriptures and as you reveal yourself to us through your word, Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts to be changed. For God, we know that your word does not come back void, but it always accomplishes that which it sets out to accomplish. And God, we pray that as your word goes forth today, Lord, that you would transform us from the inside out and make us more like you. 
God, that we might be reminded today and in the weeks to come that this good news that is spoken of in the Scriptures is good news for us and good news for all who will listen. God, we praise you that you are the God of good news. And God, I pray that we will not only be recipients of it, but Lord, Lord, that we will also be messengers of it. And so, God, we pray that you would prepare our hearts. Lord, that you would speak through me and that it would not be myself. And that, God, during our time in the word today, that you might be glorified. God, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Have you, as you have already heard multiple times today from both Randy as he gave us a message through song and, and through the lighting of our Advent candle, today is, begins the season of Advent for not only Tunnel Hill Baptist Church, but for all the church. It is a time of expectation. The word Advent means to wait and to expect and to be, be getting ready for, to be prepared for the good news about the birth of Christ. I have to admit, I thought it so fitting today as we went into Sunday school class and we were in our, our last time in, in Micah, how much of it revolved around the idea of waiting and waiting on God. The good news about the birth of Jesus is is going to lead us to this good news about salvation through Jesus and through Christ. And I wanted us to take just a moment this morning to think about how good news works and how good news flows. Because if we think about it right off the bat, there has to be an originator of the good news, right? That there's somebody who who has good news, who is giving good news, has the power to give us good news, that, that is ready to give us good news. We look at our passage today and we recognize that that good news comes from God himself. But sometimes, you know, we think about good news if you're a parent and you have good news for your kid about maybe something fun you're doing. I don't know, you're taking them to, to, to Disney World or, or, or some fun place and you've got this news and you're like, I cannot wait to tell my child this good news. You're the originator of that good news because you've done something or you're going to do something, but there's a starting point to good news, right? And in our passage, we see that starting point is God. But then with that, with that originator of the good news, there has to be the delivery of that good news. Someone has to take the good news from the originator and bring it to the last person, which I'm going to get to in a second. In our passage today, again, we see that 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 messenger, that that medium by which the news travels is an angel. Now, we get news today in, in, in in uh through our phone and through online publications some of you i bet still get the newspaper and and you still read the newspaper some of you it's by word of mouth someone tells you about it you're you know you're excited about a new restaurant opens up and someone tells you hey it's open and so there's some way to get it and then the last part of good news about good news going from one to another is the recipient someone has to receive the good news and, and, and not only receive the good news, but we have to think about when you think about the recipient of good news, it has to actually be good news to them. That the good news actually has an impact on their life, that, that their life is changed for the positive because of this good news. I'm sure that there's probably been points in everybody's life here 
where there's been good news, but it was good news that didn't really affect you. You know, like, hey, you know, you know, for example, you go to school and they're like, hey, if you want to go to college, there's this scholarship available for these kind of people. And you're like, well, I don't want to go to college. I'm going to trade school. Well, that's not good news for you. Or, or, hey, there's this scholarship. I remember when I was going to in high school and I was getting ready for college. They're like, hey, there's a scholarship for left handed people. Which I think is weird, by the way. But if you're not left handed and I don't know some of us are, that's not good news for you because it doesn't affect you. But the good news for it to be good news has to be good news to the recipient to like if it's for you, it needs to be good news for you. And as we go into the Advent season starting today, we're going to start looking at some of the people that come in and out of the stories that surround Christmas. And, and, and what was going on with them and what they kind of communicated and, and maybe their attributes or just who they were, or where their place was in life. And what we're going to begin to see is God's trying to tell us something. He's trying to tell us something about the good news of the birth of Christ. And I think if we really dive into it a little bit over the next few weeks, we're going to be able to start realizing that this good news that we celebrate during the Christmas season is good news for these people and good news for these people and good news for these people. And hopefully by the end of it, you begin to realize that the good news about the birth of Christ is good news for you. But also that it's good news for everyone. Today, we begin with the man Zacharias. And Zacharias is an interesting character, and I, I think that, that Zacharias often gets overlooked because, because Zacharias' story and his part in the story surrounding the birth of Christ really don't have anything to do with the birth of Christ, but rather they have everything to do with the birth of John, John the Baptist. And yet, as we look at the Gospel of Luke, we recognize that the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus run parallel because you can't have the coming of the Lord without the one who prepares the way for the coming of the Lord. And we begin to dive into Luke chapter 1. We, we really are getting the very beginning of the reality that the Christ is here. And the good news about the Christ is coming. So if you don't already know, we're going to answer the question of who is Zacharias? And what does he do? And what is the thing about Zacharias that we need to learn today? Well, as we look at Zacharias, I think the character trait that he really begins to reveal to us today is that Zacharias struggled with doubt. And when we think about Zacharias and his struggle with doubt, it is revealed to us that the good news about Jesus is even for the doubting. So let's look at Zacharias this morning. And really, the, the first thing I want you to notice about Zacharias is the description that, that Luke, that our writer, gives about Zacharias starting in verse 5. And if we look back again at verse 5, it says that in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest whose name was Zacharias, that he was of the division of Abijah, that he had a wife 
who was of the daughters of Aaron, whose name was Elizabeth. And then look specifically at verse 6, that they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the requirements of the Lord. Now, what's interesting is, is I think we often focus on Zacharias's doubt and kind of begin to put him as like the, the bad type, especially because we like to compare Zacharias to Mary. And so we look at Zacharias and we're like, Zacharias didn't believe the angel. And so this thing happened to him because he doubted. But Mary, she didn't doubt. And she just said, let it, you know, behold, I'm your bondservant. And so she got to keep talking. And so when we look at that, so Mary's good, Zacharias is bad. But that's not how Luke presents us Zacharias at all. Instead, he, he, he presents it. He says, listen, in the days of King Herod, there was a day and this priest who was a good priest. He loved the Lord. He, he did his best to follow the commandments and to be blameless in the eyes of God. This is not the Pharisee type of person that we often read about in Scripture. This was a man who fully trusted in the Lord and in his ways. And he took his office of priest seriously from what we can tell and that he was respected because of it. We, we are painted a very positive picture of this man known as Zacharias. As mentioned, he was a priest. He, was, he knew his family lineage. He had married another Levite. He had done everything that he was supposed to do, not to say that he was sinlessly perfect, And I think the events of our passage reveal the fact that sin was very much so a part of his reality, but he did things the right way with the right intentions. He tried at his very heart to do what he believed God was calling him to do. And quite literally, he was an exemplary um, person of faith in a time when there was where the, the temple and the leadership was very, very much so filled with hypocrisy and compromise. Yet, when he was confronted by this person who gave him fantastic news, he struggled to believe. Now, I want us to kind of internalize that for just a moment. I think we can understand the conflict and the doubt that we see from Zacharias. And really, that's true of regardless of where you are in your faith journey. Maybe you are a seasoned person who has walked with God and you have been through ups and downs and, 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 and you feel like, like you're really doing a good job kind of doing your best walking with the Lord, or maybe you're here today and and you're here today and you are just struggling to be here today. And you're, and you're struggling in your walk with you, with your Lord and, and you're having a hard time, regardless of who you are, whether you consider yourself very faithful or one is struggling along the path, you should be able to understand what it means to have doubt, especially doubt when something just sounds too good to be true. On one hand, the person that that we have here is not where he should be. This angel of the Lord is, is not supposed to be here. It is something fantastic going on here. I want you to think about this for a moment. The temple is not like it had. It's not like our church that has all these emergency exits. And if you just don't close a door properly, someone could sneak in. And, 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 you know, that's a scary thing. I can tell you right now, if I was walking through this church building and rounded a corner and saw someone who wasn't supposed to be here, I would be very scared. 
But I would also know in that moment that there's a lot of ways that someone could get into this building when they're not supposed to be in here, and it would be a very scary thing. I have scared Bill and Ruth Goodman before because they were over here cleaning one time, and I came over to get something, and I rounded a corner, and Ruth was vacuuming, and she didn't hear me round the corner, and I I gave her a good start. And that would happen. And imagine for a moment that you are Zacharias and you're going to do that exact. You're in the building. You're supposed to be the only one in there. But there's no other way in the building except by the way you came in, which is surrounded by people. Needless to say, he was frightened. But he probably also in this moment realized, hey, this is something different. Something otherworldly. Not only that, but he had been chosen just a few minutes prior to be the one to enter. It says that, that he was part of it. It was his, his kind of tribe, his group's turn to be doing the temple worship. And, and ultimately, he was picked to, to give the, the incense offering and to go in there by lots. They'd all reached into a bag, and the person who pulled out the, the right lot, the right colored um, stone basically was the one that was going to go in and do it and it was him and it happened just minutes prior really just almost right before it happened and so there's no way that this fella standing at the right side of the the incense burning place could have possibly known that it was going to be Zacharias that this was his situation that this was his backstory and had a message for him if we look at it we can see that clearly God is at work in this This angel speaks to Zacharias' deepest longing, maybe even something that he hadn't spoken of in years since he was long past the point of fathering a child. Zacharias knew he was old, that he was well past childbearing years, and with him being well past childbearing years, so was his wife. It may have very well been that that having a child at their age would have been considered a medical impossibility. That they were beyond that point. And so as Zacharias is confronted with this angel and and for him just a, a man that is not where it's supposed to be and he gets this news, he just struggles. And while it seems like something godly, something fantastic, something even miraculous may be happening, the reality is this is tough. In fact, if we all have heard the statement that says, if it, if it sounds too good to be true, then it probably is. And I, I really truly believe that that's probably what Zacharias thought in this moment. And in his heart, he probably thought, I don't know how you got in here. But I I just can't believe that at my age, that right now I could possibly become a dad and that I could possibly have that kind of prayer answered. I think we can all relate to this. Because I think really, if we're really honest with ourselves, every single person in this room struggles with doubt, especially when we are confronted with tough situations. All of us, without exception, look around the room, feel free. All of us, without exception, when we hear something that sounds too good to be true, when we read something in the scripture that we think, oh, that'll never work, 
when we're given godly advice and we just think, I just don't, I just don't think that if I say this to this person that they're going to respond that way because, because that's not how I would respond or whatever it might be. When we are called on to believe hard things and to do hard things in faith, often we struggle. And with it, we doubt. And this is true of, of, of the person that is just starting out in their walk with Jesus. And, and, and brothers and sisters, this is true of the person that has, has gone through the valley of the, sh- of the shadow of death and have, wow, I can't talk this morning, the valley of the shadow of death and have gone through the trials and struggles and have grown in fantastic ways. The people that you may very well think are heroes of the faith in our modern age, even they will struggle with doubt from time to time. When God calls them to do something hard and stretches them beyond their comfort level even they struggle we can look to peter in matthew 14 we read these things it says peter said to to jesus he said lord if it is you command me to come to you on the water and Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hands and took hold of him. And he said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I mean, think about everything leading up to the point where Peter started to sink. He saw Jesus walking on water. First he thought he was a ghost, but then Jesus calls out to him and says, no, it's me, you're fine. And he says, if it's really you, let me come out and and, and walk to you. And he says, yeah, come on. Peter, think about the faith of Peter in this moment. Peter got out of the boat. I have fished, I've gone fishing many times in my life and I've been in the boat many times. I remember one time I was up in Minnesota and I was fishing with, with my dad and my brother and some other people and we were out on one of those big lakes up in Minnesota and there came a point where we were out in the water and we looked around and all the way around us you could not see land. That's how big the lake was. I would not have gotten out of that boat. Because I don't know how deep the water is there. I know I can't swim to nothing. I wouldn't have got out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat. Not only did he get out of the boat, but he started walking. He started going one step, two step, three step. I don't know how far he got. At that moment, we would probably all looked at Peter and thought he was a juggernaut of the faith. But even he started to doubt when the waves got big. Even he started to question the power of God and the goodness of God and the sovereignty of God when he saw how big the waves were. He was standing on water in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. But he saw the waves and he started to doubt in his heart. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give a clue. We all doubt. It happens. And because we all doubt, this means that the good news we're about to hear from this is most definitely for us. 
we look at the passage and, and we recognize the doubt of Zacharias as we, we flip over to verse 20. And after he has asked for some sign to show him for certain that God is going to do this, the angel says to him that you will be silent, unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words. This is a reminder to us that even though we all doubt, doubting does have consequences. That we don't want to say, if this isn't one of those things where we go like, well, nobody's perfect, and think that that just means that we all get a pass on this one. Doubting has consequences. Again, we look back at, at starting in verse 18 and read through to that verse 20. It says, Zacharias excuse me, said to the angel, how will I know for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. Behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in the proper time. Zacharias' doubt leads to Gabriel causing him to be silent for the entire nine plus months that it would take for the baby to arrive. This would have meant a delay on, on even Zacharias' ability to share the good news about who John the Baptist would be. He couldn't go home and tell his wife that he'd seen an angel and this is what the angel had said. He could, he could probably gesture, he might have been able to write things down, but he couldn't really laugh and celebrate and, and, and retell the story and give all the details and, and do all of the things that he wanted to do to shout from the rooftops that he was going to be a dad. Often we doubt God, and it also means a delay in our lives as well. When we doubt God and when we doubt His goodness, it can mean a delay in our obedience, which leads to a delay in, in blessings or even a delay in the understanding of what God is doing. All too often when we begin to doubt God and to doubt God's character and nature and when we begin to doubt God's word, we find ourselves at the very least stuck in neutral. Not able to move forward, not able to grow, not able to experience the fullness of what God has in store for us. What makes doubt so dangerous is that it often leaves us to our own devices. Because we doubt God and because we doubt His goodness, we seek to take things on ourselves. We decide, well, I don't really trust that God has what's best for me, so I'm going to do what's best for me. I'm going to do what makes sense in this situation. I am going to do what I want to do because in, in, in the timing that I want to do it. And that ultimately leads us down the road to sin. As we read this morning from the fall of Adam and Eve, we're reminded that the lie that the enemy told Eve was that God was withholding something good and that they should go out and get it themselves. As we go back to the book of James that we've been studying for the last while, we read these words. But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all generously and without reproach. And it will be given to him, but he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. 
For that man ought to not expect what he, that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. Being a double-minded man in this passage means that you say you believe things, that you say you trust, and that you say that you're going to do this, but then in reality you do something very different. And that's often what we see when we have doubt in our lives. We say we trust in the Lord, but then we do things ourselves. We say we trust Him and we trust His timing, but then we seek to speed the whole process along. See, when we doubt God, it often leads us down that slippery slope of sin and we begin to start to trust in ourselves instead of trusting in the Lord and that never takes us to a good place. We all doubt from time to time. But we also need to recognize that our doubting only ultimately hurts us. It delays obedience, as I mentioned already. It leads us down the path to sin, and it causes us to miss out on how God wants to reveal himself to us. But God is faithful, even when it comes to our doubt. This is an interesting point from the passage I was reading in preparation for, for talking about this today. And one of the things it said is, you know, Zacharias asked for a sign and technically he got one. May not have been a sign he was looking for. He might have like just wanted to see a rainbow or something. But what he got was most certainly a sign. And as we look back at the passage, he says, he, he, he says, well, how can I know this for certain? He says, okay, you want to know for certain? You're not going to talk for a while. Now, I have to be honest with you for just a moment. I, I, this couldn't have been too bad for Elizabeth. And being married to an Elizabeth, I'm fairly certain that if I didn't talk for a while, that would be a welcome change in our household for at least a little while. But he gets this news, he doubts it, and he loses his speech, but it ends up ultimately being the proof or the evidence that God is still going to do it. In fact, if we just continue on in the passage just a little bit, it says that the people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering what was the delay. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and they kept making signs to him to them but he remained mute see the people knew immediately that suddenly he was supposed to go in put the incense in light the incense let it start going and he was supposed to come out and normally what would happen is the pro the uh, excuse me the priest would come out and he would have done the thing and he would have issued a blessing to the people to say hey it's done go in peace and they would all celebrate and they would all praise the lord and say hallelujah and then they'd leave but when he came out he couldn't give the blessing he couldn't talk at all, and so he came out, and it took longer than they inspected, and he comes out, and he's like, I don't know what he did. And they suddenly went, something just went down. And so he got what he wanted, and, and not only did he get what he wanted, but, but the, the promise and, and the, the news that, that, that Gabriel had for Zacharias did not change. God did not abandon Zacharias or Elizabeth because of their doubt. And guys, the same is true for us also. God does not give up on us because we struggle or we doubt with what he is calling us to do. 
In fact, I believe it's quite the opposite, that he is with us and that he is working through us even in our doubt. See, God even used the doubt of Zacharias and the consequences of Zacharias' doubt to reveal to the people that the day of the prophets was coming back. And that something had happened in the temple that day and the something that had happened in that temple that day was going to change eternity. I'm reminded of what Jeremiah said in Lamentations chapter 3 starting in verse 22 where he says, The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now think about how awesome that is to know that you may doubt, but God does not doubt. That you may waffle, but God's loving kindness never changes. That you may change from day to day to day to day, but God's mercy for you never changes. See, the good news of the gospel is for the doubting. Because even though we may doubt, he does not. And this leads us to the best news that we could have for this, and that is that our doubts cannot thwart the plans of God. I want to fast forward just a little bit and jump over to verse 57. And I want you to see what happened when we got to the end of this time. Now, up to this point, we, we get to this point, and, and you have to remember, Zacharias has not been able to speak. He, I don't know how much he did or, 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 or how much communicating he did. We do know from the passage that he is able to write. We're going to see that in this. But I want you to see the final result and the final part of Zacharias' story. Starting in verse 57, we read this. Now, the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy towards her and they were rejoicing with her. But didn't, didn't somebody just say something about rejoicing at his birth? And it happened that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. But the mother answered and said, no, indeed, but he shall be called John. And they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who is called by that name. And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted to be called. And he asked for a tablet and he wrote as follows, his name is John. And they were all astonished. And at once his mouth was opened and his tongue loosened and he began to speak in praise to God. Fear came over all those around them and all these matters were being talked about in all the hill country of Judea. All who heard them kept them in mind, saying, What then will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, salvation from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child 
will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give to His people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins, because the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet to the way of peace. And the child continued to grow and to become strong in spirit. And he lived in the deserts until the day that his public appearance to Israel. Zacharias' son, we know as John the Baptist, the last of the prophets before the one, the Messiah, would come. John the Baptist would come in the spirit of Elijah and he would make ready his people for the Lord. This was God's plan from the very beginning. And the doubts of one priest would not and could not stop God from accomplishing his work of salvation on earth. Even today, we are a piece of this story. We are called to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation and then also to spread this good news of salvation to the nation starting right here in Elizabethtown. We struggle like Zacharias. We doubt God's plan. We want signs and wonders to know for certain that everything's going to turn out all right or that we in some way, shape, and form will be successful as a follower of Jesus. But, our, that, but we have to understand that our role in God's plan to have every tribe, every tongue, every nation worshiping before the throne, that is part of God's plan and we will not stop it. So when you doubt, know that God still loves you. And when you struggle, remember that Christ still died for your sins. And when you feel like because of your doubt that you failed, rest assured that God's plan will not and cannot be thwarted by us. This means that the good news of the gospel is most certainly for us. And it is for us even in the midst of our doubt and even as you may doubt now that God has something good for you. Know that the gospel is for you. And his grace will not be taken away. But he still calls you to place your trust in him. To walk with him and to allow him to show you what faith really is. If you are with us today and you struggle with doubt and you struggle with what it means to be a follower of Jesus, we want to encourage you. If you are a, a follower of Jesus and you're struggling with doubt, we want to have prayer with you. We want to encourage you along the way. We would love for you to come up, take these things to the Lord. If you're with us today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord and you've been struggling with doubt and you're, you've been telling yourself like, well, if I'm not 100% sure, then I, I, I don't think I'm worthy of it. I don't think I'm ready for it. We want to encourage you in this and say, listen, the gospel is for you. And the good news of the gospel is that if we place our trust in Jesus, even though we will have doubts, 
that Christ's blood washes us clean and sets us right. See, the good news of the gospel is for even those who doubt, even those who struggle, even those that are still growing, which means the good news of the gospel is for us. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and King, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for the opportunity to get in it this morning. Lord, we thank you for people like Zacharias. Lord, that even though he doubted the good news that he had heard, Lord, that you still used him and still accomplished your perfect plan and that salvation still came even in the midst of one who doubts. Lord, I pray for us today, Lord, as we often struggle with doubt, doubting you, doubting your character, doubting your way. Lord, I pray that we will find our rest in you. And Lord, that we will be comforted that even though we doubt, you are still faithful. And that you are still accomplishing your perfect will. And there's nothing that we can do that can stop what you are doing. So, Father God, it is my hope and prayer today that all of those in, the ro- in this room would put their trust in you. And even if they don't know how or don't know when or, or don't have all the answers, Lord, that they will still trust in you. For some, Lord, I know that means trusting in you with their life right now and saving faith. And God, if that is your will, that, that, that they should come to you today, Lord, I pray that you would just put your, your spirit on their heart and, Lord, that they would give their lives to you today. But Lord, for those of us that, that walk with you, that still struggle with doubt, Lord, I just pray that you would, would just stir up our hearts. Lord, that we would be stirred up to repent of our doubt, recognizing that our doubt leads to consequences and our doubt keeps us from, from fully experiencing your grace and your goodness and your loving kindness. But God, also I pray that it would be a comfort to us to know that your love is not conditional. And that we can come to you. And we can run to you like a loving father. And know that you will restore us and that you will work in us no matter how far we've gone. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.